Welcome to Inspired by Faith, a program of the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. I'm Emily Jaminette, and I'm joined each program in the studio with my friend, Michelle Fanley. This is a show to help you to be inspired by our Catholic faith, live out the gospel message, and deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope this show provides you an uplifting 30 minutes to help refresh your soul and strengthen your faith. As it was born out of our friendship, we hope it encourages you to deepen and develop spiritual friendships with your sister in Christ. Hi, Michelle. Hello, Emily. It's so great to be here. Yes, yes, it surely is. And I love this. I love the title of this podcast, Inspired, Inspire the Faith. That's our goal is to help people in the spiritual journey to encounter other people, you know, the the living stones of the church and say, I can do this, right? Absolutely. I know people, someone came up to us when we were speaking and they said, well, if you can do this, then I can do it. Like, right. absolutely. You know, you don't have to be a living, walking saint already. We are all on the journey. Well, no one's actually canonized That's right. until they pass. That's so right. I do kind of tell people we're all we're all in this boat together. And yet um, it's important that we do capture that inspiration. We grab for it when we see it and we take the next step. And so I'm I'm really excited that we are now beginning our conference series for the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference, you know, introducing our listeners to our speakers so that they can book now, like book it now, get your plane ticket, get your hotel room, get everything you need so that you can be inspired on that February 17th, 2024 date. Yes. And this year, our theme is this wondrous gift because we are in the middle of the National Eucharistic Revival. So we are focusing the conference on the Eucharist and have incredible speakers um, going to be sharing with us, including two um, National Eucharistic preachers. It's really fun, Michelle, because you and I are both leading this in our parish, (laughs) along with helping in these different avenues. So it's fun to see it local and the national and to see that we're all journeying to help others encounter the love of Christ through the Holy Eucharist. It's it's exciting. And I think that our next speaker really um, just is a wonderful witness to women. And uh, I want to introduce you to Claire Dwyer. Claire is the author of This Present Paradise, a spiritual journal with St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. For the past three years, she's given talks and retreats on the life and teachings of a relatively unknown saint, introducing her new friend to all of the country. She's also a contributor to Blessed Is She Devotional, New Wine, and she writes for the Avila Institute. She works full-time in primary and content editing at spiritualdirection.com. She also is a spiritual director with a degree in theology from Franciscan University of Studentville, a certificate in spiritual theology. Claire finds her sweet spot at a curious intersection of the mystery of the interior life and the power of the story of the written word. To that end, she also is the co-founder and contact director of Write These Words and the Praise Write Catholic Writers membership community as well to help others encounter Christ in a new way to share their story as we're called to courage and creativity. She lives in Phoenix with her husband of 26 years. There's six children and one grandson, and you can always find her at ClaireDwyer.com. Hi, Claire. Hello, my friends. It's good to be with you today. It's fun to do a person's longer bio, right? Because we do get a chance to appreciate all of these pieces of your life coming together. And um, as I was right before we got on, I I pulled up your latest article at spiritualdirection.com, a thousand times a day, distractions in life and prayer. So, I mean, you're even writing on the same topics that a lot of us feel are, are so important 
And yet we all need to have a day of renewal. We need to come together. We need to attend the women's conference and hear you in person as well. I'm excited to be coming out for this. I can't even tell you. Um, I was in Columbus a long time ago for a wedding, but haven't been out there since. And so I can't wait to see all of the lovely people in your community and be in person with everybody. I'm very sorry. It's not going to be as nice as Arizona in February. Right. <laughs> it's going to be bitter cold. I'll just so. make me love it even more when I come home. That's right. <laughs> we'll appreciate it. You need to start getting a winter coat now, Claire. This is the time. Everything's on sale. I think sale. I have one in the back of my closet. Uh, I can dig it, out. It might be a little out of style, but we won't judge you because you live in a nice, warm place. <laughs> Well, Claire, we'd love to introduce our listeners to learn a little bit more about your faith journey as we've been so inspired by uh, your faith and, and your witness. You know, share with our listeners the role of your Catholic faith in your life. I would love to. I had the grace of being raised in a not only practicing home, but a very devout home. Emily, I know you have this great devotion to the Sacred Heart that you've been promoting, and I was telling you, I remember saying the rosary in front of the beautiful image of the sacred heart that my family had in our living room for as long as I can remember. And my parents were very devoted to the rosary. um, And, you know, we just, we lived a life of following the rules. It was more than following the rules, but we were very focused on, like, I remember one Sunday getting to Mass so early because we wouldn't, we didn't want to be late, right? So early that the other mass hadn't even gotten out yet, <laughs> waiting in the car, and um, so we were just raised with this idea that this was priority, and that nothing gets in the way of practicing your faith. It was very important. My parents and and we lived in a um, in a time in a diocese that was suffering quite a bit. Um, the faith was uh, floundering, and my parents worked very hard to, you know, teach us from the catechism and connect us with like-minded families to kind of preserve the faith, um, and, and that was a great gift. When I was a young teenager, they were, I, I call it, they were duped by the Holy Spirit, and I think Our Lady had her hand in it, too. They thought they were joining a rosary group. And it turns out that at the last minute, they did a little switcheroo, and they decided they were going to be a Life in the Spirit seminar. (laughs) And my parents were like, what? What's a Life in the Spirit seminar? And it was communicated to them. They're going to go through this, um, you know, seminar, teaching course on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, His work in our lives. And then they were going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which they didn't really know what that was. There was a little trepidation there, but the Lord was um, was with them, inviting them to just take this next step, which is really just a deeper yes to releasing the graces of our one and only baptism. And um, so they went through this. And, of course, I was a child not super aware of what was going on. I noticed some changes in my parents, a little bit more joy, a little bit more levity, a little more freedom of in prayer. So it wasn't so much like the rosary. We still prayed that way, but there was also like more spontaneous prayer and um, just expansiveness, I think, in our spiritual life for just lack of a better way to express it. 
And I noticed a new book on my parents' bookshelf. And being an avid reader, anything in our house that was new that I hadn't read yet, I gravitated toward. And I picked up this book one day. It was Let the Fire Fall by Father Mike Scanlon. Somehow it come into their life through the charismatic renewal. Devoured that. Realized that I knew who Jesus was, knew who God the Father was, had yet to really experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and desired it. And in part because of that, I went to Franciscan University, um, you know, was baptized in the Holy Spirit myself there, just made a greater act of faith, loved being around like-minded Catholics, and met my husband, joined a household, and um, threw myself into the faith. And we, uh, we were married shortly after graduation and have now, like you said, six kids and one grandchild, and I've continued to study the faith. I I describe myself as a lifelong student. I just can't get enough. And I remember listening to a homily by Father Barron about the signs of the Holy Spirit in your life. And one of the things he said was that one sign that the Holy Spirit is present and active in your life is that you have an intellectual curiosity about Jesus Christ and the church he founded and all the aspects of, of faith and spirituality and saints. Um, so I've continued my studies in, in different um, places, and uh, in in my studying came across the St. Um, Elizabeth of the Trinity before she was canonized and wrote a book on her, and we've, we've done an interview on that book, with we were saying like a couple years ago. Um, anyway, so that's, that's it in a nutshell. So you, I know you introduced us to St. Elizabeth the, the Trinity last time you were on, and you can check out the January archives of our of our podcast. But just if people are listening live now, um, tell us a little bit about this great saint and who, are you, who you're going to talk about at the conference. Yeah, I can't wait. Elizabeth of the Trinity um, was a French cloistered Carmelite nun at the turn of the century. So she was a contemporary of St. Therese of Lisieux, who is often called her sister in the spirit. Um, They have a lot of similarities in their spiritualities. Um, But St. Therese is by far the most well-known and famous of the two of them. St. Elizabeth wasn't canonized until 2016 by Pope Francis, and she's just kind of since then burst onto the scene. She predicted before she died that she would be hidden, and she was for about 100 years, and now the Church is just, you know, making her known, and I'm privileged to be a part of that. She uh, was a fiery, uh, temperamental little girl who mellowed out and desired to become a cloistered nun. She had to kind of um, surrender that call for a number of years because her mother refused to let her enter the convent. And so as a young woman, she had to learn to live her vocation and live a life of prayer and interior recollection while she was very much in the midst of the world, as many of us are. So she was traveling and going to piano recitals and parties and doing all the things that young women do, and all the while the Lord was teaching her to live a life of union with Him and deep intimacy with Him. So that kind of sets her apart a little bit from St. Therese, of course, who was allowed to enter the the cloister early, in fact, and never would um, have to live as an adult in the world. So Elizabeth has a lot of wisdom for those of us who are drawn to that kind of spirituality, 
but who find ourselves in, you know, very much in the midst of the busyness and the noise of the world and long to be able to keep close to God and to maintain a life of prayer and interior recollection, even while we're running to the soccer games and the grocery store and, you know, doing all the things that we have to do every day. So do you think maybe that's the reason why this saint is so important for this time? Or do you see some of the connections to how we live our life, to how she lived her life? I think so, Emily. I came to realize as I was learning more about her and particularly about her history and the time, just the times of the church. She, because she lived um, for a number of years, like I said, you know, with a very active social life, she had a lot of friends and connections outside the convent. And so most of the writings that we have from her are letters to people in the world. So she really is kind of a teacher of prayer, and she writes so much of her correspondence. You know, she is to people like us, like wives and mothers and business people um, in the world. What I've come to appreciate, I think one reason that the Lord allowed her to kind of be hidden a little bit as a saint is because the Church collectively had to go through some things um, a lot of suffering. You know, there were two, two world wars um, after she died, after Therese died. There were um, a number of uh, renewals happening in the Church. Of course, the Second Vatican Council. There was a lot of confusion after sec- the Second Vatican Council, a lot of movements, um, including the charismatic renewal and a renewal in the interest in, in biblical theology and things happening in the Church. And the way that I see it now is that the Church just collectively has, has gone through some suffering and purification, gone through some periods of darkness, and entered into a time of renewal. And, and as part of that renewal, I think the Holy Spirit is inspiring His people to re-engage in a life of prayer and to understand it as not just going through the motions and not just rote repetition— but as an invitation to a life of intimacy. That's really And that's beautiful. the message of Elizabeth, and that's why I think it's her time. You know, it makes me think, too, about John Paul II and understanding and appreciating the spirituality of women. I remember reading, you know, letters to women the first time and just those words, you know, thank you, thank you. And, you know, mm-hmm. when I heard you talking about St. Elizabeth of Trinity, and you're going to be sharing more at the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference, and, you know, this is based— Uh, on your book as well, you know, we're talking about this present paradise, a spiritual uh, journey with St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. It it gets me excited because women have an important role in promoting the gospel. Absolutely. And I think one of the gifts, Claire, of your book um, for me is that you were able to take um, St. Elizabeth's writings and then you took them and put them in with your writing and your stories and kind of merge them together to help a woman who's living in today's world understand her spirituality, even though it's not, you know, that, you know, that time was not that different, but it is different. And I think, you know, personally, I picked up a copy of the writings of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity that was in our adoration um, rack at church. And I took it in and I thought, it's beautiful, but I, I definitely appreciated your guidance through her book because sometimes it's hard to, to navigate somebody else's writing without, you know, the knowledge that someone who's, you know, has advanced, you know, with your theology degree and your writings on prayer. So I really appreciated 
um, your take on her life and making it easy for me to understand. And can you tell us a little bit, maybe one of your favorite stories about St. Elizabeth? Yeah, I was thinking about this. I, I'll share a Eucharistic story because that is, you know, so prevalent on our minds, and that's a theme of the conference. Um, Elizabeth spent the last few years of her life, uh, or the last few months, excuse me, of her life suffering. Um, she would die of um, Addison's disease, which would slowly take away her ability to process food. And so she wasn't able to consume the Eucharist. And her mother superior, who she was very close to, these women had a real intimate relationship, a very deep friendship. Um, loved her so much that after Mother Germain, her mother superior, would receive the Eucharist at Mass every day, she would come and kneel at Elizabeth's bedside and basically bring Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity present in the Blessed Sacrament and just remain there for, you know, 10, 15 minutes and just allow Elizabeth to adore her Eucharistic Lord in the body of her friend, which is just this beautiful, moving story of friendship and of devotion to the Eucharist, and um, I love that, especially in the context of women women coming together to bring each other closer in their relationship with Jesus Christ. It makes me think about the Women's Conference, right? When we all receive a, yeah, communion after going to Mass, it's so special, and yet, you know, mm. every Sunday it's that special, and, and this highlights the gift of having Christ within us. And adoration, too. The piece mm-hmm. about adoration is such a powerful moment at the conference with everyone on their knees and just tears flowing from their faces. And I think it's a time of many people really realizing, like, I am looking at Jesus. I am looking at Jesus. Wow. Um, another thing, Claire, that you've really kind of invested a lot of your time and energy is to, you know, writing and speaking about the importance of prayer. And, you know, a lot of times we love to get prayer tips. We like to ask, you know, our presenters, you know, what, what is a tip, a suggestion? You know, what's a word of encouragement for someone that might be, you know, on the fence, not really praying, feeling like it's just a bit too overwhelming to take that next step? You know, what, what words do you have for them? Oh, let's see. I, I will share that as a spiritual director, I often will ask women, tell me about your prayer life, right? That's just the starting point, because that's really what direction is. It's it's, um, helping a woman in her personal journey with the Lord in prayer. Sometimes I'll hear this, well, I just, I don't really have time to pray, but I just pray all day long. And that's great, but the reality is, as it says in the Catechism, we can't pray always if we don't pray sometimes, meaning if we don't set aside dedicated time to be in conversation with the Lord, that's really like the the wellspring that overflows then into a life of prayer and conversation with God, even sometimes in our subconscious or just in being able to offer up everything that we do or talk to Him about the events of our life as we're going through them. So I always recommend that women, um, in particular busy women, start with 10 or 15 minutes. But that sacred time, it's dedicated time, it's not for anything else. And if that means you get up early or you, you, know, you make a way when the kids are napping or you speak to your husband about making that work um, some other time, it's just 
that important. The other thing is that sometimes um, I think we equate personal prayer time with devotions like the rosary or the Divine Mercy Chaplet, which are so important and beautiful. But we can't ever forget that prayer is primarily a conversation and an exchange of love. And so if our devotions take the place of conversational, intimate time with God, then we have to make, we have to figure out a a way to fit that kind of quiet, reflective, give and take um, with the Lord. We have to find a way to make that part of our prayer life. And Claire, I want to back that up a little bit. You you mentioned you're a spiritual director, and we did a show in spiritual direction a couple shows ago. Um, can you tell women, you know, what is spiritual direction and why they might need that? Yes. Uh, spiritual direction is um, a, a relationship between a director and a directee and the Holy Spirit. And the primary relationship in that trio is actually the directee, and the Holy Spirit. And the director is the person who's privileged to be a part of that relationship in order to help um, the directee discern the movements of God in his or her life and respond to them with generosity. In other words, to kind of point out like what they see the Holy Spirit doing and maybe give a little gentle direction as to helping that person um, say yes to God's uh, invitations in their lives. Um, it's something that uh, people have to be trained in um, and gifted in and called to, but in the absence of having a spiritual director, because it, it is often hard to find one, um, they're certainly in demand and there's not enough of them, although I believe that's changing and there's lots of places springing up all over the country to train directors, including laity, who are also some of, some of whom are also called and equipped to be directors. Um, spiritual friendships are so important. This is why places like the conference where you can go and be with like-minded women, this is a way actually of receiving direction when you surround yourself by like-minded people who can challenge you and call you on and reveal to you what God is doing in your life. Sometimes we don't see that, and sometimes we need other people to point it out to us. Um, I wrote an article, and it is on... ClaireDwyer.com and SpiritualDirection.com, and it's called 10 Steps to Finding a Spiritual Director. So if there's anybody out there that's listening and longing and wondering if if that's something that they should look into, um, that might help give some practical first steps to finding a director and also what to do if you don't have a director, but you still want to grow in your prayer life. So helpful. I really appreciate you, you know, walking us through those kind of tips and suggestions, challenging us with making sure we actually pray, right? You know, and what's interesting, Claire, right, is that everyone's tech screen time is continues to go up, the statistics, but our prayer time um, doesn't always reflect that same general statistic. So I think we have to carve it out. We can't just assume it's going to happen. Yeah, and if we wait until we're so tired that all we want to do is scroll, the chances are it's not going to happen. But I think we have to... T- tithe our time in the sense of not necessarily 10%, but like the cream off the top, right? Like, when are you most alert? And when would you want to have a conversation, a very important conversation with somebody important? That's the time when you want to pray. Um, For a lot of us, that's in the morning, and we can be just so 
you know, geared up to get stuff done at the beginning of the day. But it's a challenge, but also an invitation, I think, from the Lord to kind of give Him the first fruits. That's beautiful. Um, Because I'm like, I'm with you, like, at the end of the day, there, I just find myself doing a lot of mindless stuff, which is, it's kind of natural. Like, we have to, we have to be in tune with our body's rhythms, and we can't schedule important things like prayer when we're not, you know, good for much else than (laughs) vegetating. Absolutely. I know I was having a conversation with one of our conference friends, Angel Fox, and she said, you know, I do my adoration hour at 4 a.m. because there's never a conflict then, right? So you can't have some excuse that something else came up at 4 a.m. So, you know, scheduling your time with God at a time that there's not going to be another conflict. Mm -hmm. So I do love that. That's so that's so important. Well, the great news is Claire is coming to Columbus. And you get to meet her. But before then, if you want to read um, her book, again, it is This Present Paradise, A Spiritual Journey with St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. Highly recommend. Do it with your mm-hmm. girls group. We did it together as a conference team. It's awesome. And check her out at ClaireDwyer.com and SpiritualDirection.com. Right, Claire? Yep, that's it. Perfect. Awesome. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Claire. And We cannot wait to see you in February. I can't wait either. I'm looking forward to it. I'll bring lots of warm clothes. You guys bring the tea and we'll be good. And hot coffee. Yes. Lots of, <laughs> okay. lots and of hot talking yes. about uh, Jesus. Jesus chatting. It's going to be great. <laughs> we'll see you soon. God bless. Bye-bye. So exciting. What a great person. I know. I'm really excited. You know, as she talked about even her journey of her family, the the Holy Spirit really coming upon her you know, and then just this gentle, beautiful story. And now she's telling her story all over and she gets to come here and tell her story to us as she's balancing six kids. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Me too. It's so great. I'm so inspired already. And the conference is still a few months away. Yep. And that's why, you know, this conference team plans all year Yeah, absolutely. and next year and the year after that, because they want it to be a day about women coming together and we have the capacity to have more women than we've ever had before, meaning let's do this, people. Let's let's fill the house. Absolutely. Think of your friends you want to invite. Put it on their calendar now. I mean, if it was a Taylor Swift concert, right, like you would get tickets and, and block off the day, right? So just say, I'm going to do this and invite a friend. Yes. And so now, let's close in prayer. Let's close in prayer. Father, and, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, my God. Trinity, whom I adore. Help me to forget myself entirely that I may be established in you as still and as peaceful as if my soul were already in eternity. May nothing trouble my peace or make me leave you, O my unchanging one, but may each minute carry me further into the depths of your mystery. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for enjoining us today on Inspired by Faith. We hope that you are blessed and inspired by this episode. To find out more about the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference, visit columbuscatholicwomen.com or to learn more about Michelle and I's work, please visit inspirethefaith.com.